0: Today is Thursday, January the 20th, and this is episode number 28 of the Khan Wealth Advisory podcast series. I'm Asif Khan, Wealth Advisor with BMO Private Wealth. It is 20 days in, but a very happy new year to everyone. Here is hoping that 2022 is kind to all of us. Some time ago, I said that I would do a podcast on Bitcoin. At that time, I thought I would do a podcast explaining what Bitcoin is, how it is created, and what it seeks to replace And potentially discuss the rationale theory around it. In the past few months, Bitcoin has perhaps become the most googled word on the planet and it is garnering many questions and interest. I have come across some arguments on why Bitcoin is a good thing to invest in. I thought I would explain what these arguments are and what I feel about them. Now first, let me start with a disclaimer. I am in no way predicting that Bitcoin will collapse or go to some astronomical value, say like $600,000 per coin. I don't think anyone can say that with any certainty. However, you will most likely notice from my bias that I think that the long-term story is one of a bubble, perhaps the greatest one we have ever known. So in brief, what is Bitcoin? Bitcoin was created by someone who nobody knows, and if you have some Bitcoin in a digital wallet and you somehow mistype your password about 10 times, you will lose all your Bitcoin. And there is nowhere and no one for you to call to try and get those Bitcoin back. In short, someone decided to create Bitcoin within the same understanding and functioning of what gold is. What I mean by that is that gold is mined, as is Bitcoin. You will spend enormous amount of energy and manpower digging up gold, as you would spend a lot of energy and computing power mining and manufacturing Bitcoin. When you have the physical gold, you then need to have some very secure locations to put it in, for example, Fort Knox. The same idea is created with Bitcoin, that is, to store it on this extremely secure platform known as the blockchain. Basically, the blockchain is a complicated and secure way to store something where you don't trust anyone, like your employer, the government, the store manager, or your neighbor. So, the person who created Bitcoin decided that he would, or she would, create a finite number of Bitcoins that would be produced over a period of time. There are only to be 21 million bitcoins ever mined, and to date about 18.5 million coins have been mined. Over the next half century or so is when the remaining 2.5 million bitcoin will be mined, whereas the computing power now required to mine it becomes more and more cumbersome and time consuming because of the math and algorithms behind mining bitcoin. I suppose the slowing production is another similarity to gold. All of the easy gold in the world has probably been found, and now the remaining amount of gold that exists in the world is difficult to locate and mine. Same with Bitcoin. So that is Bitcoin 101. I think that is where the similarities end though. A main difference in my opinion, though Bitcoin supporters may argue that I am wrong, is that gold at the end of the day is the ultimate fear asset. What I mean by that is that if everything were to go wrong in the world, the person holding gold bars and coins would be in a better position to be able to barter for necessities, whereas the holder of Bitcoin probably wouldn't even be able to access them because there's no electricity or no one would care for something that exists in a place called the blockchain. So let's understand why Bitcoin fans and supporters feel Bitcoin is the bee's knees. Many would argue that Bitcoin is easy to transact with, that it is easy to store, that it has quick settlement, you can transact peer-to-peer, and that we know there is a fixed amount to be available and therefore cannot be devalued because you can't create more beyond the 21 million coins. Others would also say that one of the benefits is that no central organization or government or higher power controls it, but rather the millions of computers which control the authenticity of the blockchain will simply follow the rules that govern Bitcoin and uphold it via the security of the blockchain. So let's unpack it a bit more as to what proponents of Bitcoin say and what my take is on their thoughts and opinions. First is the notion of the fact that there is a finite amount of Bitcoin and therefore it cannot be devalued because a government or the Bitcoin creators can't simply turn on the printing press and make more of it. To relate this concept, any country could choose to recklessly print more of their own currency, the fiat currency of their nation, and therefore potentially create hyperinflation and essentially devalue their own currency. Thus, a dollar today is not the same dollar tomorrow in terms of purchasing power. My response to this is that we are fortunate to live in a country where currency devaluation is not a constant fear we would have. Yes, we have inflation, and for quite a while, inflation has not been the runaway type. But anyone who's trying to retire by saving dollar bills only would have to know that their dollar will be worth less eventually. Conversely, the notion that investing in Bitcoin protects you from inflation is nonsensical. That is, just because there is a finite amount of it, it does not protect it from devaluing. If the collective feels it should be worth less, it will be worth less. I will remind you, as I always do, that investing in strong and growing companies is a way to hedge against inflation. So investing in companies is one possible way to protect yourself from inflation. Coming back, and just because Bitcoin has gone up during its short existence does not mean that it will always do so. And by the supposed belief of it being an asset that never goes down, it is somehow supposed to alleviate the fears of inflation. Let me remind the Bitcoin enthusiast that gold has basically been an asset that has, at best, just kept up with inflation. It has never gotten you ahead. That is not what we aspire for. I could see how a citizen of a country like Turkey would not like their wealth stuck in Turkish Liras. By the devaluation argument, they would want Bitcoin. But they could also just have converted for US dollars or gold coins. And just because you cannot make more than 21 million Bitcoins is not an argument that it cannot devalue or go down in value. That's absurd. Another argument in favor of Bitcoin is that it is a great store of value like gold. It is claimed that like a rare piece of art or a Stradivarius violin, it will just appreciate in value. Again, I don't understand this argument. Bitcoin, like gold, cannot produce any earnings or cash flow. So if you were to apply valuation metrics to it, it would have what we refer to as Zero intrinsic value. To compare it to Picasso or Rembrandt, that truly is one of a kind, fine piece of art, is again silly. If I had the money, I could buy expensive art and donate it to a museum where others would pay money to come and see it. I don't think the same can be said of a digital token. I will acquiesce, though, which is also absurd, that people are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy JPEGs of digital apes. This may need to be a topic of another podcast explaining and understanding what NFTs are, non-fungible tokens. But again, coming back to Bitcoin. It is also claimed that Bitcoin solves the problem of double spend, which some refer to as the holy grail of money. I will simply say this too is senseless. Double spend refers to the fact that someone could spend the same money twice. Like a JPEG that can be copied and stored on other phones... The same could potentially occur with accessing your digital cash via multiple online bank apps, as an example. This cannot occur with Bitcoin because of the blockchain, but is double spend that huge of a problem and don't banks have a way of securing against this type of fraud? Another very silly thing that I heard is that Bitcoin has this high value because of all the computing power and energy it takes to make it. When was the last time you paid more for a pair of jeans simply because it was made with more expensive electricity rather than the quality of the jeans? I don't pay more for a painting because the artist used more expensive lighting when he painted it. So again, a silly reasoning. By now you've probably gotten the gist of my opinion. However, for fun, let's go through some more information I came across that goes on to defend so-called myths about Bitcoin. They, meaning Bitcoin enthusiasts, go on to say that Bitcoin is not only used for speculation. The operative words are not only. They say that millions of people hold it and those in developing countries who don't have access to financial services the way uh, you and I do are transacting with it. They go on to say that many corporations are holding it on their balance sheet as treasuries and that many investors are holding it in their portfolios as a diversifier. I say, show me the proof. Yes, some are, but don't extrapolate and say many and most. Another myth they say is not true is that other cryptocurrencies will replace Bitcoin. This I can agree with for the time being. At the moment, Bitcoin is the gold standard in crypto. But like every number one sports team, dynasty or empire, you eventually fall in the rankings. With about 10,000 cryptocurrencies already launched, something may challenge Bitcoin, like government-issued crypto or digital currency, or maybe they just all go the way of the dodo bird. Another myth suggested is that governments will not ban Bitcoin. It is argued that in certain parts of the world, like China or Nigeria, where the government is unaware of your Bitcoin transactions, they have gone on to ban it or at least try to. Further, they argue that here in North America and Europe, Bitcoin is seen as systemically important and large in size and many regulators have an enlightened and open mind and view towards it. I kid you not, those were the words I read. Additionally, they state that Bitcoin should and will be regulated, but not be crushed by any government. My take is that Western governments impose regulations on financial dealings to protect society and to control the financial and monetary systems. I can only say that in what world does crypto not get regulated with the full watch of the central governments? It is further argued that developing nations will or are embracing Bitcoin. But I would like to remind the listeners that cash is still king in developing countries where large parts of the population still don't have access to the internet. Another myth they purport to debunk is that governments will not create their own cryptocurrencies which would eventually kill bitcoin. All I can say is that the argument used to defend this myth is not worth repeating. The arguments used were not even answers. Bottom line, central banks and governments need to control money and the financial system. Therefore, you could get more countries like China banning it, or just flip it on its head and change the game with digital fiat currency. Losing control of the money supply is not an option for Western governments. I was reminded of an interesting piece of history. Back in 1933, to control money supply during the Depression, the US government banned the ownership of physical gold. Therefore, when they want to, governments could impose various restrictions that promote fiat currency over crypto. Proponents of Bitcoin go on to further suggest that it is a myth that Bitcoin is too volatile to be a store of value. The answer to this myth by Bitcoin supporters is that no one is suggesting that you put all of your investments in Bitcoin or don't put all of your eggs in one basket. They go on to suggest that there have been many examples in history like gold, which was both volatile and a good investment. They cite that when the gold window closed in the early 70s, Gold went through price discovery to find out its true value in the new monetary system. They feel that as Bitcoin matures, volatility will decline as it did for gold. Additionally, it is argued that volatility and investment worthiness are not the same thing and that having a small amount of Bitcoin to a well-diversified portfolio provides improved overall returns and can improve your risk-adjusted returns. My only answer to this is that an investment that can swing around in huge divergences at the whim of an Elon Musk tweet does not create better risk-adjusted returns. And if Bitcoin ends up being a massive bubble, then risk-adjusted return will take on a whole new meaning. I will close off on the topic of Bitcoin by providing some context of why fiat currencies have value. Crypto promoters will argue that the US dollar, the Japanese yen, the euro, the Canadian dollar and others are also zero stores of value they are just paper that a government issues i will say that this is not true if i'm a sovereign country and i have 100 billion dollars that i need to store somewhere i can decide to put it in gold bars the u.s dollar or bitcoin why would i choose u.s dollars over the other two it is simply the fact that currencies of western nations are backed by the tax role of its citizens there actually is revenue behind the currency that is not true for Bitcoin. It is backed by nothing. I have to end with a disclaimer. Everything in economics is governed by the laws of supply and demand. If more people want to buy homes or swimming pools or bicycles than are available for sale, then the price of those things go up. Eventually equilibrium or sensibility returns to the markets. That is more supply comes onto the market because someone realizes that they can make that product, too, and make money doing it, or people eventually realize that the value for what they were paying is not logical, and they stop the madness either way, supply and demand wins, so i don't know where Bitcoin goes, but I think you have my guess, and I could be wrong for a long time. Therefore, if there is demand for Bitcoin, it will hold a value and could stay strong for some time. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. DM me or email me or call me with any questions. My number is 416 725 9133 and my investment partner, Austin Hans, phone number is 416 709 7879. Here is the corny dad joke Why should you put your new calendar in the freezer? To start off the new year in a cool way. All the best to you for the new year. Would love to hear your feedback on this podcast. And by the way, No extra ending today because of the length of this podcast, so no need to keep listening after the music stops. The ending after the ending will return on our next podcast. Be well and have a wonderful weekend.